Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. I'm Ann Kern. Oh, it's a three. Uh, let's roll. This is our brand new show, Romancing it's... the Zone. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here with you ladies. I am too. Let's take a quick moment just to kind of intro ourselves to everybody. We're just big fans of the McElroys and the Adventure Zone in general. So, you know, we spent enough time talking about the Adventure Zone balance arc that we decided, why don't we just record ourselves talking about the new adventures that they end up going on? And that brought us to now. I was very excited for this adventure in the Adventure Zone because one of my greatest joys of listening to the Adventure Zone balance was hearing it and then immediately wanting to talk about it with someone, Mm -hmm. which happened to be Nell, my sister, um, who I text fervently throughout the day. And we are four hours difference of each other. So, (laughs) yeah. So a lot of times it was me talking to a void I knew would eventually talk back. But this is what I really wanted was to talk actively with somebody and get an immediate response. I'm very excited about this. And the self-control today, knowing that there was this new episode that we were all going to listen to at different points and and waiting, waiting to say anything about it to each other is my my first instinct was, oh, I got to go DM Nell. And then I was, oh, wait, I can't because we got to save it for the podcast. So here we are. Mm -hmm. That was exactly what I thought, even as I was listening to it in return, I was like, oh, let me just shoot this quick goof. And then I thought, nope. We gotta keep it. We gotta hold on to it. It's gotta be for fresh. This. I think all of us are hoping that it will. Well, we know it's gonna be fun for us. So hopefully, it'll be fun for other people who maybe don't have other people to talk about uh, the adventure zone with. And right, we can share in each other's company, even if it's not immediate. Exactly. And then uh, you know, I, I thought of this dope name, and we were like, "Well, we gotta do something." So that's that's why we're here. That's what we're here to do. And today is the day that we set it off because the new arcs are starting or they're testing the waters on whatever this next campaign is going to be. So yeah, we start off with this commitment campaign and that's where we found ourselves today. So I have a very quick question. Yeah. With the new, they're using the fake core system to play. Do we know, is that what they're using for all of their ventures into this? Because they're going, I'm assuming Justin will also DM and Travis will also DM and they'll kind of decide from there what they're going to run with for this next big campaign. Are they using the same dice system for all three of them? Do we know this? They have not said. I mean, they definitely specified when they chose fate and it is it's the fate core system because there's also an accelerated system which is different oh, but okay i mean they're they're similar but they are slightly different so they were specifying which rule set they're they're using but that was based on apparently recommendations from from fans about like if we want to do a superhero universe which is the best yeah. solution because this isn't the only tabletop rpg system that's kind of one size right. fits all for a bunch of universes. It's just the one that they felt was most suited to what they wanted to do right now. So whether they stick with it or not, I mean, there would be some convenience to sticking with it because they don't have to learn a new rule set and a new mechanic mm-hmm. to move forward with a new story because that does seem like it would be very frustrating with short arcs. 
So they could definitely right. apply this to other universes, but they don't necessarily plan to do that. So we don't know. That's a good question, though. Okay. That is a good question. Just knowing for my personal self, I play both a Pathfinder game on Fridays and then I run a D&D game on Saturdays. And jumping between the two, they're run fairly similarly, but there's a few differences in just how yeah. the yeah. character sheets work. So I just know, given yeah. our, our wonderful Clint McElroy and his, you know, ability to memorize all the rules just exquisitely, I didn't know if it might be like if they would have been, oh, okay, let's just run with this one type for these three different games, which I just didn't know if they might have talked about it and I missed it. No, they haven't formally said. Okay. I'd be okay if they stuck with this same mechanic throughout the next uh, runs that they do or the next tests that they run. Just because one of the few questions I do have written down here was, um, does anyone else just zone out when like rules get verbally <laughs> explained to you? Which I do. So that was, it was one of those moments where I was like, I know I will understand this eventually. Right now, though, this is kind of going over my head. Absolutely. I had trouble with the rules too, which is why I went online and watched a whole bunch of videos about how the game mechanic actually functions. And they did really explain the most important stuff, the stuff that differs from from D&D most drastically and the things that are Mm -hmm. most relevant, I think, to how they're going to play. But like the chief advantage, apparently, of this game system is that it, like they said, it it does really focus on um, the collaborative method of storytelling so all the stuff where they were talking about mm-hmm. character creation about aspects which is one of the new things that we have the new concepts that we have to learn those are really just yeah. like character traits and world traits and things that we were already familiar with but it puts them in a gameplay framework where you can use them to steer the story and that's not just for the gm um which we have to switch to game master from dungeon master now too right. um oh, yeah. but not just for the gm but for the other players to find ways to help each other to find ways to hinder each other sometimes if it makes the story more interesting and it seems justified so it is it is a really cool approach especially because you know with D &D, there's all this focus on kind of leveling up and you know if you start with a basic character you you have to start them on like really weak quests so that they can build up um you know enough hit points and enough skills to be able to face Mm -hmm. these larger monsters but yeah fate really focuses on um that these characters are already heroes, so you're already proficient when you start in the skills that you choose. So you don't have to have that building. You can just jump straight into the interesting parts of the story. So I think that will help a lot, especially on these shorter arcs. So if they do stick with it, it would be a fairly logical thing to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so excited to possibly learn a new gameplay system that I've never touched before. I've never really even heard of it, so... Something else to add to your repertoire. (laughs) Y'all... You had wanted to talk about the album art, which yeah. does tie into what might be next. It might be a Western. It right. might be outer space. It might be a mystery. I'm thrilled the Trace Horny Boys are still there. Yes. Right. They have not left us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, they'll always be there, which could kind of be threatening if you think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're always watching. Lurking. Oh, you're not Lurking. getting rid of them. In the bushes outside your house right now. There. <laughs> don't look, don't look. They're there. It's you know. Merle. Seriously, don't look. <laughs> Merle in the bushes. Don't do it. Oh. oh, man, we were talking about pretty art. Yeah, I did like that they incorporated the, the Bureau of Balance uh, symbol into the new design. I thought Very that was cool. like not just yes. um, 
like really cool graphic design, but also a nice like kind of unifying element for the stories to have yeah. it be like mm-hmm. connected. That would be dope if like a couple things all used that symbol. I would not think that that was trite. I would like that very much actually i'd be very pleased if it was a thing yeah, but that just kind of kept nothing showing that up. it will but like if it did keep showing up i would i'd be happy that'd be nice mm-hmm. i do love little unifying aspects like that that don't make they don't make or break anything it's just that little like yeah. hey we, we're still here we got it it doesn't change the story it's just like a wink <laughs> a little a little treat for the people who have been here who stayed through the credits mm-hmm. uh so i have a very quick question as per usual. well it's probably not quick but shoot for most of us, well, and I can't speak Even for better. most of us because we are but three listeners of this podcast. Do you think people are here for the storytelling or the gameplay? Or do you think it's kind of an equal balance of people that they came and listened because they are D&D fans and they love the idea of people playing D&D awesome. and what have you versus people who are like, I love these characters and what they have built. Um, and then who's going to follow them into this next arc? And how is that going to work for them? I hadn't thought about it. And this is where it does get interesting when you think about the listenership. Just because, obviously, all we can know is how we approach it. Like, on a personal level, what the Adventure Zone means to us. Why we keep coming back to it every two weeks. And for most of the people I know, yeah, it's absolutely the story element. But I know mm-hmm. our brother, Brittany, Brittany's and my brother... He is a person who does know Dungeons and Dragons rules very well. So he absolutely, he loves the stories and he Mm -hmm. loves the characters. So that would be my guess is that I think the people who are kind of, or were kind of here for Dungeons and Dragons did, at least in some aspect, I imagine they have to have fallen in love with all of the characters. And that's why they stuck around (laughs) because really Mm -hmm. the boys, when it comes to actual Dungeons and Dragons, they weren't that good at it. And so (laughs) I imagine that the bigger element that kept people around was probably the story. And I do hope a lot of listeners carried over, but I honestly can't say, but also on that, on that same idea, I'm hoping that new people will come in. I know personally, at least a couple people who felt very, uh, intimidated by the idea of having to listen to 69 wink 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 uh, episodes of the Adventure Zone just to know what the story was whereas now knowing that oh they can get a similar experience with yeah. mm-hmm. and kind of being on now what the new ground floor is it, it's an appealing concept so I'm hoping that we will get some new listeners who maybe then in time turn back around and listen to the balance arc well and it's it could be an interesting way to find out about some newer game systems that you might sure. have heard, not have heard of or kind of inspire the world that you want to build if you want to you know DM for your friends or so it, it definitely oh, seems absolutely. like a good time to try and talk your friends that you couldn't persuade to listen because they said Wait, how many episodes are there? How many hours is that? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Um, yeah. 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 This is a good time <laughs> to try job. to sell them on. Because now it's a little bit more like, maybe a little bit more like tabletop or something kind of more approachable and episodic that they can pick up even in the middle, maybe, and then and then find out that they like it and then go back and listen to Balance. Sure. Um, and then move forward with it, too. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping. For sure. And this one even kind of gives a couple chances at that. You know, if in three episodes we're done with commitment and we go to <laughs> the, the next warm. one, then it's like, okay, here's another chance. Hop in. <laughs> There's a lot of space here. The water's so great right now. Just hop on in. I was imploring people earlier today, come on, come join me. It's so fun. So hopefully I'll get some new friends to join us here at the lunch table where we talk about boys who play tabletop games. 
Okay, so in commitment, this is what we're going to have to get used to, at least for a couple episodes, is that it is a modern setting, which is a far cry from the world of Faerun. <laughs> eh, give or take the way that they played it. it. Faerun was a little modern in the balance arc, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I did think it was interesting that Clint chose, um, I mean, we had talked about this before the episode came out about what direction we thought they were going to go because we knew that they were going to do superheroes. We knew that Clint was going to be the GM. Yeah. And I think we had gone in a lot more yeah. like kind of spandex kind of context. Um, and I mean, I, I'm a little mm-hmm. bit bummed out that there aren't going to be super villains necessarily. <laughs> although I do like the idea of the super, super accountants. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, so it's kind oh of more gosh. like, it's I, definitely yes. not quite, quite what we yes. expected that it's this organization that's kind of like, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. or Man from U.N.C.L.E. or it's that kind of context instead. Which I really appreciate. I think it's a really clever thing and unexpected because I would imagine a lot of people's minds kind of went to spandex superheroes. But I like that Clint took it in this direction, this more humanitarian effort. Right. You know, kind of organization. I do think it's kind of funny of the idea of all these superheroes in an office setting knowing that these boys in particular do mm-hmm. not exist in an office setting. <laughs> like, in do the not. Monster Factory, they've even said, like, <laughs> I've never had an office, an office job. This is what casual is. And just like, and when he brought this, I was like, do they even know, like, how an office works? I would think Clint does at least, but I don't know. I, 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 I have think not it's going to be very funny. Either. It could just be, yeah. Well, as someone who works every day in an office, it sucks. There's like a water cooler and sometimes the the copier breaks and that's about all I I know about it. Listen, just everybody go watch the show The Office. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't let that be your basis of what it's like. That's what people do know as an office experience. Because, I mean, it's not. The reason The Office is unrealistic is because I don't think anybody is that friendly with all of their their coworkers. Um, but no, so that's just my giggling about it is I know that they don't have any natural organic experience sure. to pull off of. So it is going to be stuff like The Office or, right. oh sure. shoot, is it Office Space? That's the movie. Office that, Space, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that works. Like, there's a reason those are, those are very successful film, a film and, a, and TV series. So, you know, it maybe, maybe that's exactly what they need for now podcast. I, I really enjoyed that that the name that he came up with was the Do Good Fellowship. I think that's adorable. Yeah, um, very cute. It's really cute. I and then even and then that down. yeah, and I wrote down what he, how he described it was if there's somebody in, in in trouble, if there's something that's wrong, and it's like you were you were straight up writing in the eighties cartoon theme, it's, the Saturday morning cartoon uh-huh. theme for this show it's is right darling. there. <laughs> I'm not gonna sing it, but <laughs> oh, but please! No, no, no. He was part okay. way there, but I yeah. We need we need a little bit more, some more, some <laughs> well, more description or something, and then we can work on the we can work on their theme song. <laughs> sure. Say so by the end of their arc, we should have a theme song for this show. In the for 80s. the show or for the just the committee? For just the committee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay. the committee, yeah. For, okay. for they do good fellowships. Specifically. Maybe it's like their recruitment video or something. It's like Ooh, the opening yeah. video. Yeah. Recruitment video. Yes. I'm writing that down. Do good fellowship song. Good. Every time. <laughs> I love that that's it's the so funny cute. thing. It doesn't take much to it's set Bernie Bailey off. So that is a thing everybody will learn very quickly. <laughs> but so his, I didn't know most of what he was drawing from, a lot of Clint's references, but the coolest one 
at least to me, is certainly the real-life Ben Franklin uh, yeah. fellowship. The, the junta, which is with a J, by the way. Okay. Uh, there if you, if oh. you're trying to How do you spell that? With a J. J-U-N-T-O. There it is. Okay. Yeah. I did not know Good. that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I looked it up a little bit. I did not... I, I admit that I had heard of it. I did not really remember anything about it. It was basically just, like, Ben Franklin sort of thought, I know a bunch of cool people. Maybe we should form up some kind of group and see what we can do for the community that we're in. And I I did read the the 24 questions. I didn't read all of them. I have a couple of them. Like, uh, do you know of any deserving young beginner lately set up whom it lies in the power of the junto any way to encourage? So I guess looking for young people in the community that you could try to help out with an internship or whatever the it's cool. not an internship back then, but have you lately <laughs> observed any encroachment on the just liberties of the people? Which is a pretty broad-reaching one. And then there was some about um, if a member had had someone who was angry at them, whether there was some way that they could resolve that. One that was just, what new story have you lately heard agreeable for telling in conversation? Like, have you heard any good stories lately? <laughs> around the pub that we could share. Also around the pub. I thought that was, it was such a sweet concept of yeah. somebody who was you know, that prominent in history to, you know, before Twitter, before Tumblr to say, how can, how can we create this sense of community with these, these people who are in a leadership position and try to make our community better. And Anne, you'll probably know more about this since you were able to do some of the research. But when Clint said that these were people that were just general people, these were not the, you know, top of the list, top of the town like these were just the community and I thought that was super great that that actually existed in our in our history yeah that I, I didn't kind of know like, about I, I probably learned about it at one point but that was not what my my synapses cut it out because I had to learn something else <laughs> I was gonna say it's kind of like if the McElroys and like Lin-Manuel Miranda and like John Roderick and I don't know like Please. Joe Biden and a bunch of people Please. just decided Please. they were gonna but that is that has kind of almost sort of happened so um, in a way they're part yeah. way there well part that's way there. Yeah, I was going to say, all this sounds so dope, and it's like something that I feel like should be done. Like, they're good questions, even just those couple that mm-hmm. you just asked us. Which also, sidebar, thank you, Anne, for doing research for this episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the Bailey sisters were a little preoccupied, and Anne took it upon herself <laughs> to go ahead and look up some of this stuff. And I'm glad you did, because... Yeah, like I said, even just hearing about this being a real organization that our first president, Benjamin Franklin, (laughs) came up with, (laughs) I I was like, this sounds really cool, and I would like to learn more about it. I just did not have time. So I'm glad one of us today learned more about it and then taught the others. I had to look up the the comic book reference also, um, and I'd heard of it before because I knew I'd seen um, the Thunder Agents, which is a, Mm, it's actually an acronym. I did not, I knew it was an acronym, but I I just assumed, you know, sometimes back in the day they would make acronyms and they didn't necessarily figure out what it stood for. And they didn't, yeah. It does, it does actually. uh, Hugs. So I I had to look it up. (laughs) It stands for the Higher United Nations Defense Enforcement Reserves. So they, right. they reached a little bit there to get to Thunder. But yeah, it's, it sounds kind of goofy. So it was like they were kind of trying to capitalize on James Bond a little bit and a little bit Certainly. on Man from Uncle. So kind of like spy stuff, but with this superhero twist. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Although, the, like, the guys who were in it, like, one of them just has a magic belt. It's, it's sort of, their, their, their powers are a little, a little strange. My power like, it's is, very... uh, I found this sweet belt at a thrift shop yeah. and uh, it's got some magic powers. Right. It was, it was uh, very, PS, it was very Isn't 60s. that Rainbow Bright's power? She was, well, that was her. She was in Thunder. 
Yeah. <laughs> Little known fact, Rainbow yet. Bright, founding member of Thunder. There was a guy who was, like, dying of a terminal illness who transfers his mind into, uh, like, an army of robots. But then yes, kinda, I, I guess they decided that that wasn't cool <laughs> enough, so he also has a cloak of invisibility. What? It's like, the 60s were crazy, That's my dude. Man. What's his name? Wait, for his army of robots? Do they yeah, all share his... it? Well, no, I, I think he's only in one robot at a time. Like, he tra- like if it gets destroyed, oh, he transfers okay. to another all right. one. I did not delve deep into the history of, of Thunder Agents, so I have to be Do honest. you have a name for him, and <laughs> That'll be episode two. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll go on a deep sidebar to talk about Thunder Agents and their horde of robots and Rainbow Bright. Listen, episode two is Romancing the Thunder, and we're going to find out and we're going to talk about... <laughs> the Thunder Down Under. Oh, no, that's even worse, especially with Romancing the Zone. This is getting, this is veering into terrible territory. Romancing the Zone, colon, the Thunder Down Under. That's episode two. Stay- <laughs> we're going to have to get an ExtremeRestraints.com sponsorship at that point, I think. <laughs> Well, we almost had a good segue because we ought to talk about um, the fact that that not only was Clint influenced, (laughs) not only was Clinton influenced by comic books, but that that kind of informed their uh, the boys' character creation choices. So I want to know, like, before we talk about each of them individually, were you guys Mm. surprised or not by each of the guys? choices of superhero to be influenced by because I was definitely not it was like yep that's exactly what I would have guessed I I I can go last Brittany you go ahead I can't mm. yeah I was gonna say do you remember Griffin Griffin went with Spider-Man uh Travis went with Green Lantern slash Mr. Fantastic and Mm -hmm. uh Justin went with Thor right more or less I guess I I don't I can't say, to be completely honest. Um, I would say I wasn't shocked, but I also would not have presumed, if that yeah. makes any sense. Here's what I'll say. because oh, <laughs> You know how I roll. So as soon as, because yeah, Griff went first and he was like, okay, I don't read a lot of superhero comics, but then very soon after was saying that Spider-Man is his favorite. And I just like, I was in the middle of sketching while I was listening to this, also taking notes, don't worry. And I had to put down my pencil and just be like, I can't listen. This dude and I are already best friends. Like (laughs) I'm the exact same way. And even the more he described his character, which we'll obviously get into here in a moment, but it was one of those moments where even as I was listening to it, I was like, I wonder if my sister, who has known me my entire life, listened to Griffin's character creation and went, could he have made a superhero more in tune with what Nell would have made a superhero <laughs> sound like? Only I, if it had been robotic. <laughs> right. Like if there was some yours. robotic element. Um, but yeah. And then as far as the other boys' choices, yeah, Trav's made total sense. And I really loved that yes Justin went to Thor but and this was something I held back from getting into in our group convo because I wanted to save it for the show Brittany how dope was it that Justin wanted to talk about Inuit oh ideologies I or like lost theologies. my mind I would that, that mythology yeah I'm so excited so for people who don't know me which is all five of our listeners um, I live in an Inuit culture. I live in Barrow, Alaska right now. And previous to that, I lived in Nunamikwa. And I, I just have spent the last six years of my life involved in the Alaskan culture, mm-hmm. which is 
Inuit culture, mm-hmm. and we don't see it anywhere right. in media. And the fact that this podcast that I have just fallen in love with suddenly brings up like, oh, BT Doves, Inuit culture. I'm like, what? <laughs> so now it's something I'm so excited to share with people who may not have been into it at all. And even if it's just these three episodes, I was like, listen, Someone out there. just enjoy this moment when yeah. Cardala shows up and is a badass. And she's based off of this actual mythological, I don't even want to say character, mythological goddess uh, from this culture. I just, oh, it's so, so cool. I'm so excited. I, yeah. And we'll certainly get back on track here, but... I went to extremerestraints.com and was like, I can't, I, I gotta save this for the show. But really, as soon as, the fact that Justin also even kind of danced back and forth with whether or not that was kind of the direction he was going to take, I'm, I'm really glad he took that direction because mm-hmm. I have not lived in Inuit culture, but I know my sister has. And it is, again, just even if she didn't, it's one of those things It's very cool to see them trying and, and going for representation in places where it's not usually found. It's really cool, and I appreciate yeah. it so much. Right. He could have very easily gone a Norse way mm-hmm. or a Greek way, but he, he decided to. to bring about, yeah, a culture that's not talked about a lot that really should be, because it's very awesome. It, yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, and I love that that's the direction he went in initially, and that he questioned himself, yes. and that then he came back to it. I mean, and I have way more respect for people who immediately think of something and then think oh man I don't know if I should do that and and, you know but then they're willing to come back around to it to find an approach that's respectful like contacting people and saying how can I make this respectful but but still continuing on outside your comfort zone because honestly like what Mm -hmm. kind of ally can you really be if you're not willing to go outside your comfort zone if you're not willing if like if you never if you never risk offending people you're not going to make any headway for anybody so I mean even if um, he's not you know like it's not like some white guy is going to be the perfect representation but he's going to open a door for people to become interested about something for people to learn about it absolutely and it, you know, kind of kind of knock some of the brambles out of the way on that path for other mm-hmm. people and I, I really really respect that he's willing to do for that. sure well and Anne, you just you hit it right there when you said he reached out to people he didn't just google a bunch yeah. of stuff he <laughs> actually wrote an incredible long email, which I wish yeah, I could read so badly. If um, I could be a fly oh God, in that I email want, I want to see it so bad. I should genuinely ask around, like ask oh. my elders and be like, uh, did you guys get an email from Travis McElroy by chance? Well, it's so funny. And I don't know if you guys ever played the game Never Alone off of no, Steam. No, I wanted to. No. So that's based off of literally the culture I'm living in right now. And when you watch or if you play it, they have a lot of uh, interviews with people in the Inuit culture, and those are my my oh, colleagues dope. now. Oh, cool! Uh, working That's in awesome. the school district, I was like, "Oh, there's well, Fanny, there's Jana, that. there's George." I was <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, That's so cool!" And I'm I'm now learning more about them through through playing a game that I did. Of course, you know, when I very first got here, I didn't know anybody, yeah. and then I'm playing the game. I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then I go to a meeting. I'm like, "Wait a minute, hold on!" So now they're like little celebrities to me, and I get to <laughs> actually talk to them and ask them questions, and it's just very cool. And for what it's worth, I mean, with that being the case, like, this is me kind of taking a family circus uh, map to the point that I'm getting to. (laughs) But, I mean, 
if those people were involved in that, I mean, Justin works in the gaming industry. This is so, true. like, there's a chance yeah. that maybe one of those people is somebody that he reached out to. Just saying. Yeah, that, I, I want to know now. So right? Have to so, ask. you look into that and get back to us in episode two Thunder Down Under. <laughs> And what did you think of their character or their hero choices? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, am I the one who reads the most comics? That's, that's kind of hilarious. Cause I always feel like a poser a little bit. Cause I, I got into them a little bit when I was younger, but, um, it was just, I had a family friend who gave me some comics. So I only had like, you know, one Excalibur, uh, trade paperback that I had to read. And that was kind of how I got into comics at all. And I didn't have a comic <laughs> shop for a really long time. So I, I didn't really, so I'm still, I'm still new to it and I've kind of fallen in and out of it as I've had access to things. But, I have a response to um, that, but I can save it for this next <laughs> part. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that those are definitely, if I had had to, somebody had sat me down and said, okay, you have to pick which, which superhero they would identify with. And I'm not saying like that they, that that was necessarily the characters that they're playing in this are them because that would be ridiculous it's clearly not but um in terms of the direction that you had i think the superhero that you the superheroes sometimes that you love the most say a lot about who you are as a person oh, yeah um and the way that you approach problem solving uh-huh. um i i personally think that so like most of the guys that i know who are super into spider-man tend to be kind of you know quieter guys usually the youngest or an only child and um i think Spidey is kind of the the patron saint of awkward, <laughs> slightly outsider feeling boys who who kind of aren't really super athletic and don't think that they can ever be the big hero, okay. but that also really want to help people that come from like a genuinely good place. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense for Griffin sure. and um, Green Lantern is, which was Travis's main pick. I don't know as much about Mister Fantastic, but um, Green Lantern's powers are based primarily around the concept of will. That you know, every mm-hmm. he doesn't have powers except to the extent that he can manifest things in the real world, sort of through his own strength of character, which I think also makes sense to me for, for Travis. Sure. And as far as Justin and Thor, um, Thor is actually one of my favorite superheroes. Mm-hmm. And Thor originally, see, not in the movie version. In the movie version, he's just a god, right? He's just yeah. Thor. But um, in the original comics, when Stanley created the character. Thor was also Don Blake, yeah, who was immortal. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff in those storylines about Thor switching off between being Don Blake and being Thor. Uh, and there was a relatively recent comic book by uh, J. Michael Straczynski um, where there was a lot of stuff about the struggle between the mortal side and the god side and, and them as separate personalities. And they even have like arguments with each other, oh. like spectral arguments with each other about how to solve problems. And I loved that so much. To have this kind of weak human character who can become this god, but it's also this other person that's a really interesting choice to make, to choose not just Thor, but to choose that version of him. So he's not just like this big burly guy like we see in, in the yeah. movies. And I still love uh, MCU Thor, but of course. it's a very different portrayal of the character. And I think that I think that fits with, with Justin well enough, too. I mean, I'm not going to like psychoanalyze the poor man. Right. But, um... We're not here to do that. <laughs> but yeah. 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 <laughs> just a little bit. But that's episode three. I was, I was very excited <laughs> that he made that. That, that he made that choice of that particular interpretation of Thor because I, I think that version of that character is one of my um, like my favorite superheroes psychologically. He's a really interesting uh, it's a really interesting perspective on what it means to have superpowers. It's cool to get your insight because I don't I, I have not read that. I know a little bit about it because yeah my relationship with superheroes is like I, I know the basics of their stories just through like context and like having yeah. existed in the nerdosphere for a long time. Cultural enough, osmosis. You just kind of, you're just, yeah, you just kind of like pick things up. 
as you were talking, I thought, I was like, well, this to me relates to Yugi and Yami Yugi in the <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. So that's oh, where, no. <laughs> that was actually the next point I was going to make when I said I will do this <laughs> in the next part. Um, the comics I was reading for, like, during my teen years were Japanese comics. Uh, so when Griff is talking about his character, Remy, who is kind of um, a draw from this specific version of Spider-Man who loved Cowboy Bebop, I was sitting there yeah. going, yes, yes, because this is everything. <laughs> like, that's, I understand all these points. And he even took a beat to say, nobody in my family knows what I'm talking about. And in that moment, I was like, don't worry, I got you. I, I'm with you. I'm still here. Yeah. Keep going. I get very excited when Griffin brings up Cowboy Bebop. Extremely excited. It's so fucking good. I love good. that show so much. It's so good. But yeah, I was reading like those comics and I was reading, uh, yeah, just a lot of manga when I was younger. And and now the comics I read are primarily Transformers and things like Saga and um, kind of your more... I don't want to say indie because they're not all indie publishers, but yeah, not much from the big two. Those are still a little the same mm-hmm. reason that we were saying people might not want to hop into the Adventure Zone balance arc because there's so much. Eh, that's honestly a big reason why I don't read the big two. There's just so much. Yeah, there really is. Well, you never know where to start. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. There's so many different arcs. There's so many different versions. And you're like, well, if I go here, is that correct? Am I going to know right. the right Am I going to miss something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you guys want to read some Spider-Man now, I, I do. can recommend it. That's, that's always been the thing. For knowing as little as I do, Spider-Man was always my favorite. I just liked him the most. Well, I, you have to you have to read Spidey, which is a specific run. It's actually called Spidey. Um, and it's fairly, it's fairly short. Know. I think it's 12 issues, and it is out in trade oh. paperback. And it happens to I be written by a very lovely man by the name of Robbie Thompson, who's one of my favorite people in the world. So you should read that. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Making Excellent. a note. So now that we've prefaced kind of where they drew from, we can talk about the character specifically. Um, we yeah. have Remy and Nadia and Irene. And I'm very excited to get to know more about all of these characters. But even just from the top... I already mentioned before, yeah, Remy is kind of exactly the kind of superhero I would make. The only thing that doesn't, that didn't immediately make sense to me, which I assume will come out as the story progresses, was the random disappearance of his parents. I was like, oh shit, that's yeah, like a right. really heavy, like, Very mysterious. I, I story element to one, drop. That was going to be nowhere. something that they'll, of course, you know, cover later. Well, maybe not, of course, because we've only got a few episodes. We only have a few. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I was going to bring up about that is he fell right into one of the tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Superhero <laughs> that has no parents. Superhero mm-hmm. that well, has we do, to, we do. you know, struggle through. Yeah. Although I think having the brother changes that dynamic a little bit of it being this person who's still around that you can fail. Um, so I thought that was really, I mean, I think he did a, he did a really like good job. Like that totally falls into the Spider-Man thing of having Aunt May. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. Like he just falls well, right I mean, in. You know. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Yeah, I, I just it's not bad, picked up cause... immediately up on that. Yeah. And I do appreciate, here's what I will say, because this certainly isn't, yeah, we're not trying to drag anybody here. I appreciate that his mindset is still the betterment of other people and helping other people see the best in mm-hmm. themselves, which 
might be like projection like off of himself onto other people maybe i don't know i don't know i think he he did a good job like making the um making the backstory and then the powers kind of fit together and reflect each other so i like the idea of this person going on ninja warrior and wiping out like before they even got to the warped wall which is where people usually wipe out but but yeah and having (laughs) that be then and then and then you get these magical jumping powers where this would not be, you know, you could just go over, you know, the first part of the course in a single bound. Mm-hmm, so sure. like that, that balance um, was really interesting is, a, um, you know, how is this character going to respond to having these powers? And like the same way right. with um, having one of his, uh, one of his stunts be psychology so that mm-hmm. he, he still has this focus on like, how can I help other people in these situations, which is an interesting thing to have chosen. It's not like I want to, you know, punch people really hard or, you know, it's not a, it's not something that most people would have thought of, I think, but it's way more interesting Mm -hmm. from a character standpoint um, and could certainly be very interesting in a plot context. Absolutely. Right. Um, I like the take on the public failure. That that's something that will follow him. And yeah, they could be out doing amazing things and people will still go and point and be like, oh, you're the Ninja Warrior failure. (laughs) I can't remember the exact words. Because that's such a thing. uh It's such a thing that happens. He built this character with cracks put in place. And they don't necessarily, Mm -hmm. like, there are some bigger gaps, like, oh, geez, where did his parents fucking go? Who knows? But those little ones that you wouldn't necessarily think of, like, on the surface, being things like, oh, right, that dude was on national television and he beefed it in front of everybody. (laughs) And that is something that some people hold on to forever. And I hope we get to play and see a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. And then we have Nadia, who... I it, like they're so good. It's so nice to see like all of the reasoning that they have for these characters makes sense when they give us then their backstories. Um, yeah. I it, it seems very thoughtful. So even like Nadia having had private tutors, like she didn't go to school, she didn't interact with other people. She's very much a Twilight Sparkle. She's okay with her books. She doesn't understand why she needs friends. And I'm excited to see, now that Princess Celestia has told her to go team up with Remy and Irene, what's going to happen? I believe the magic of friendship will happen. We'll find out. I hope. It's my deepest wish. (laughs) I, I did like speaking of the magic of friendship that um, Travis and Griffin like almost immediately started arguing about uh, the aspect of whether or not Nadia would see Remy as a failure and what that would mean and that it, it turned into this like four-way argument because that's really like the reason that they chose fate is that you're supposed to do that you're supposed to have mm-hmm. um, oh, you know you're okay. supposed to select aspects for other characters you're supposed to use your aspects to benefit other characters yeah. you're supposed to pull out other people's weaknesses too so um, that collaborative element of how you create the story and how you steer the characters and not just between the the you know one character and a, and a, a GM or you know between characters but having it be the whole group forming the direction of the story and they were actually right. already right. doing that even in character creation which is they actually said in the um, the fate guides that it's really important that you do the character creation process together so that these things can happen and I thought that was really cool to be able to see the benefit of this game system like demonstrated right Mm -hmm. then Um, for sure so it's almost like a little preview yeah also can I just say my heart went out to Griffin as he kept trying to like defend (laughs) Remy I was like oh I'm sorry it was so sweet like it's okay 
but yeah, it but was. But that's good because it, it means it means you love your character when you want to fight for them. Yeah, right. he's defensive about already. Him. Yeah, and I right. certainly appreciated it so much. It was, and maybe maybe this is just me leaping to a conclusion here. But I was like, I don't know. Maybe part of this is because he wasn't like this is his first, not his first time playing a character because obviously there's yeah. Taz Knights and Tom. Um, but now that he's in, you know, he's he's kind of joining the fray. He's he didn't have you know Taco and Magnus and Merle for two and a half years. This yeah. is this is his. This is his now. Mm-hmm. And it's it, Nadia is a really good fit. Um, like from a story standpoint, alongside Remy, that he's so focused on family relationships and she's the exact opposite. So for I mean, sure. just right. like organically, they were already creating this really interesting dynamic of um yeah. you know just in the course of Travis trying to think about how do I make somebody who's the opposite of Magnus which I think he he fairly well succeeded at. Uh-huh. You know mm-hmm. I mean there's she's there's more to her than that which is great but um but she definitely yes. is pretty much the opposite of Magnus. Yeah. Right. He did a good job. Well I was just going to talk about the uh the whole relationship aspect between Remy and Nadia and how Griff immediately kind of jumps to Remy's aid or Remy's defense and that Clint came up and was like, you know, this is the start. So Nadia can have certain feelings. And this is where, Anne, you might be able to explain this a little bit better, but could an aspect change throughout in mid-gameplay? Oh, yeah. Like, as they build that relationship and she understands Remy better, could that aspect of her character change in how she views him? Good call. Um, Do you know yet? Potentially, yeah, potentially. It depends. So there, there are different kinds of aspects supposedly character aspects that are you know uh specific to somebody's personality they're supposed to be permanent but normally when you interpret that you're not talking as much about their personality as their history so if it does seem like you would be able to change if certainly character relationships because those are interpersonal um it seems like that would apply more to I don't know, I mean, because some of the aspects are, are temporary. So you can have, like, uh, an, an aspect that's specific to a situation. So, like, if you walk into a room and it's super dark because the lights aren't on, that can be an aspect of the environment that you're in, and it can be changed immediately by turning the lights on. So mm-hmm. if, if you have these kind of both ends of things, aspects being really rigid and fixed, like, this is a defining characteristic of this universe versus this is something like rain that's going to stop at some point. So I, I think if they can justify it in the story, then yes, they can probably change that aspect. Cool. Okay. I'm loving this. This whole setup yeah. of being so character driven and character built is just super awesome. Like that's that's totally my wheelhouse. I'm so excited. Yeah, because one of yes. the one of the other weird things that you can do, so they're talking about aspects in the character creation process, but they can also create them within the gameplay. So the fate points mm-hmm. that they were talking about, which they're they're supposed to be kind of continually used and then replenished. That's the whole concept of the gameplay, is you're supposed to spend your fate points in different encounters and then get them for other actions. Um, or yeah. for taking on uh, a consequence, which is one of the other things that they mentioned, that um, that you can be compelled to use an aspect in a negative way that could lead to a consequence, but then you're also rewarded with a fate point for, for having done that. And you can use fate points to create aspects, even if you're a player. So you can change aspects of uh, the universe or of the storyline, like you can say, but also this is now true um, in a given situation. And that can be, I think, a permanent aspect, um, is, I mean, the GM can still veto it, so you can't just say, like, and now yeah. the bad guy is dead. 
Um, you know, you, yeah, it's not right. completely, decided, totally flexible. This but you, person's in love with me yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> but you, if, you can, if you have a fate point to spend and you can justify it in the, the game scenario that you're in at the time and the GM agrees with you that you've justified it, you can actually change um, things within the game, change okay. story elements. So it is a really cool, like, I mean, yeah. it really does focus on the collaborative um, aspects over anything else. Which I, I like that a lot, and it, it harkens back to uh, those moments, the best moments in the Adventure Zone balance arc when the boys kind yeah. of ripped the story out of Griffin's hands and went, nope, <laughs> we're doing it this way. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so now is... it's a bit more like built into yes. the, the structure of the story exactly. itself. And it's, and it's also cool. designed, I mean, you know, sort of on a practical standpoint to just avoid the number of scenarios where you're going, your character says, I'm doing this. And you say, well, uh, I don't know if you can do that. And you have to decide whether or not they roll. You have to decide oh, what sure. they roll for. Um, yeah. And then mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have to have story decisions bogged down by those game mechanics anymore so once i think once you get the hang of it it's probably a lot cooler and and a lot faster playing and that's what i think all of us are looking forward to is when everybody is in the flow and knows what they're doing yes because yeah i'm already excited about these characters so yeah let's talk about irene a little bit like we already touched on one of the cool parts of her being inspired by inuit mythology but before we get into that I love that the three branches that these that these boys took were <laughs> IT, R&D, and HR. Those were the ones right. that they're like, here's where my character fits in. <laughs> and so, yeah, oh. we have Irene, who is a part of HR, and she, as Justin let us know, yeah, everybody likes her. Even if she's not the most, she's not, like, everybody's best friend, but everybody, we all know that person. We're like, yeah, Irene's I am that person. Down. I, I am Pretty, Irene. So, <laughs> there you when go. He was describing her, yeah. I'm like, oh god, like <laughs> this That's is it. this is my character. Um, yeah, I am. I. Well, what's kind of funny is <laughs> it is, is actually. I I am all into the dad rock. Um, <laughs> I am an IT Irene in that mm. I am the IT person that the people in the district go to because I'm the nice one. I'm the one that will get it done. Sure. I will put together the softball team. So a lot of that rang true to me. And I just, so I immediately loved her. And then he's talking about the Inuit yeah. culture. I'm like, oh my gosh, Justin, you and me, you and me. I mean, I think we may, we may all have like, especially strong feelings about Irene and Cardala because uh, it kind of, a lot of this game is structured around um, your weaknesses rather than your strengths, that that's kind of where mm. the interesting stuff comes from. And having yeah. this this um, this possibility of the, the transformation between these two fairly different people being kind of abrupt and unexpected just sounds yeah. really exciting. It sounds like it could be really dramatic. It could be really funny. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe going last, you have some advantages when you're, you're, you're sort of, I mean, I know they, they came prepared that's with true. their characters, but you have a little yeah. bit you know, a little bit of wiggle room to think, okay, how is this person going to interact with these other people? Like, like coming up with uh, Cardala thinking that Nadia is actually a demon. Um, right. is also, I think it's going to make, you know, so that, that allows Nadia to become more interesting too, um, because of yeah. her interaction with, uh, with this other character. Right. When um, she's faced against this other character for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's really all about those interactions um, and how, how these right. people are, conceivably going to get along which it seems like they're probably not most of the time which is generally the most entertaining i think that was my only upset is i'm already so 
invested <laughs> and hopeful. Attached. And I was like, oh no, I'm already attached. And yeah. knowing that, yeah, we'd only get that little bit of time. And then maybe that yeah. would be the one they go with. We don't know. And then I know sure. for the next one, I'm going to be exactly mm-hmm. the same because it's not the characters, it's the creators and what they're able to do. So that's that's the silver lining, though. Yeah. Whichever one does come out of this, yeah, it's going to be good. So after they discussed Irene, they did close out pretty quickly. Yeah, after some more apologizing about it. And that's what my last my last little worry that I would want to bring up. And it's not, I don't know if worry is the right word, but um, just the treatment Concern? of the fandom towards them. Because they've, they've alluded to it a few times that people get on Twitter or Tumblr and just kind of rag on them for not playing right or not doing this right and I just hope that their audience moreover is just very patient not even very patient I don't think you have to be very patient with them because they deliver every time yeah Um, oh yeah but just to be understanding of this is a new game system where these are new characters and yeah I think we kind of covered that that yeah they're brand new characters they're nothing like balance and we already love them like, yeah, we're already sure. so excited to see what they can do and how they'll interact with each other. And mm-hmm. so I just hope that that also ripples out throughout the fandom and it's not... Yeah. They don't get a lot of flack for trying something new because, come sure. on, like, what would life be if we just kept doing the same thing over and over? <laughs> well, and, and you know, and they've never said this outright, but let's be honest, like, if balance kept going, it it would have gotten to a point where all of us got bored. Like, it happens with everything. It's perfect, yeah, where it is, and yeah, like you said, these characters are already very intriguing, and yeah, hopefully there's a general like attitude of patience and understanding. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, Griffin was definitely trying to slap a bunch of warning labels on conversations, oh, and, and like, I mean, I respect that he was trying to because I think uh, sure. he was seeing things that needed to be addressed that that would bother people, and that it was completely appropriate yes. to say, okay, wait, we understand how this might yeah. have sounded but this is not what our intention was and, and here is what it was so that we can mm-hmm. have a conversation about what we we're actually trying to say instead of what you might have thought we were saying and i and I, I i get that but but at the same time i hope that you know we've got kind of this fandom culture problem of people a lot of times with their hearts in the good in a good place but who are calling things out or in a way that's wrong or are calling out the wrong people and it yeah. does cause it i do worry about the effect of that on on the creators because I, I know it's bad yeah. for them I mean, how could it not be bad for you that you always feel like you're failing somebody and they're oh, so sure. conscientious of um wanting yes. to deliver good content of wanting to not hurt anybody that um you know not that you can't criticize them because they can't learn from it they can you take don't. right they can take criticism right. but there is definitely a limit there and there's a line and there's a way to handle it um in a way not yeah. to and I, I think that fandom culture is really really struggling right now with finding where that line is and, yeah um, yeah you know we is something that we all need to work on as fans um and be yeah. more conscious mm-hmm. of so i i do worry that they've had a lot of that and that it has gotten them in a place where they may be you know, a little paranoid about what they're doing and, and less able to commit to it as fully. I mean, I think what we've seen in this episode is, I mean, they just came, they came right out of the gate with these really interesting characters that they already knew a lot yeah. about, that they were already able to interact with each other um, in some context. And that's before we even start playing. So I know they're going to get there, but yeah. I hope that, I hope that we're done with the apologies. Cause I, I think the vast majority of the people in fandom who's, 
whose voices may be worth hearing or worth letting into yeah. your head right. at least on, on a regular basis. Like we're here for the journey, you know, um, mm-hmm. and we're, we're ready to, we're ready to strap in with them and, um, you know, take the bumps as they come. And, and I'm not, I'm not personally worried about, you know, those kinds of moments where you might have some doubts about where they're going. Cause I, I trust them. Um, yeah. I trust them to we'll make their, to right make place. their choices. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It'll be a good trip. Yes. Let's just make sure the love is louder. Make sure love is yeah, louder exactly. than hate. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. That's why we're doing this show. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all in, um, wherever they're, wherever they're headed next, we're, we're ready to go on this, this crazy ride with our crazy, wonderful boys. So that's right. That you guys come along with us too. Yeah. Hold our hands. And when we go <laughs> off the cliff. And we'll all be together. <laughs> we'll all be together. And I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. 